This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports, all things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on AU100, Kicks 96.3 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Or if you're joining us on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, it's time to fry Noah. We're recording this on a Friday earlier in the week. Jeremy said he wanted to record earlier because he wanted it to be fresh. He wanted the wound to not have healed yet. He wanted to pour the salt into it. We both picked Auburn last week. You feel like you were conned into it. I, on the other hand, feel very disappointed with the way the result went, or at least with the way performance went. If Auburn had lost by a touchdown, I'd be like, all right. But Auburn lost 27-6 to in a pitiful display. It's time to fry Noah. Yeah, I would have loved to record this on Monday, not because I wasn't going to fry Noah, and not because I'm a Bama grad, not because uh, you're an Auburn fan and an Auburn grad, but because, a little bit of frying myself, I got sucked in. I told you earlier today that I am just like an Auburn fan. I also buy into the hype. I expect the worst from my side. Like, oh, Auburn beats Kentucky, who everybody told us Terry Wilson was good and had a good defense. Well, Kentucky's defense is 75th in the country in passer efficiency right now. They're not very good. And once Kentucky lost Saturday, I took a deep look and thought about this show and said, I picked Auburn and I should have picked Georgia. Because I watched Kentucky and I was like, these guys just aren't, Kentucky's not what we thought they were going to be. They're not a top three team in the SEC East. And so I pick Auburn and I'm watching this game, Noah, and I really can't believe what I'm seeing. Stetson Bennett playing quarterback for Georgia, to me, is the equivalent of Jay Barker's son running out on the field and playing right now for Alabama. That is the equivalent for me. It would be whoever Auburn's walk-on quarterback is trotting out there and playing. It'd be like Sandberg, I think. For yeah, Auburn. exactly. Or, or, or Grant Loy's the number two at Auburn, so I don't think it'd be Loy, even though he's the grad transfer out of Bowling Green. But it, it would be the, like the, this is a this is a guy who Georgia stopped giving reps to in in, in fall camp and leading up to the game. They just stopped giving him reps because they didn't think he had a chance to play. Going into the Arkansas game, he was almost repless that entire week. Comes in at halftime or the third quarter of that game, makes a difference, gives Georgia a little spark. And we're both sitting in this exact same studio last week, I think Friday, when we recorded and said, there's no way this Georgia team with this offense, it, it even though Auburn's defense is not what it was last year, there's no way this Georgia team is going to be able to manage to score 21 points. And if Bo Nix... And this Auburn offense can manage to score three touchdowns in a four-quarter game. They win this game, and they may win it handily. And I think this is the most wrong either of us has ever been on this show that we do together. Auburn couldn't even score one touchdown. Two field goals. <laughs> we said Bo Nix could play loose. I'm not going to say you. I said we said it. We said we thought Bo Nix could yeah. play loose. Because if his defense gets a couple stops, he can win the game. We thought Auburn's offense was great. Seth Williams quit. I mean, he, where does this guy? He's 6'3", 6'4". He disappeared in the he fourth quarter. 
He's still nicked up going into this week's game. He's going to play, I think, but he is still nicked up. If you're on the sideline with your helmet on, you're not that nicked up. You can still play. And when he went off, Bo Nix was what we saw Bo Nix be a lot of the time last year. Under heavy pressure, never keeps his eyes downfield. There were no routes to help him. It was all back shoulder, third and seven. Here it comes. Auburn's going to throw it up. They throw it up. And that's, that's been the game points discussed. Got there. Third and long, we're just going to throw it up. Either we catch it, you catch it, where it falls to the ground, and we're going to punt on the next play. And Bo Nix, if it's not play action right now, he, he is not playing well. I'm not going to say he's not good, but he is not playing well if it's not play action. I'm not going to overreact to this Georgia game for long-term expectations, but I think this was the worst performance we've seen in Bo Nix's short career at Auburn so far. I think this was worse than what we saw in his first game against Oregon. I think this was worse than what we saw against Florida or even LSU last year. I think it was bad. I don't credit the offensive line entirely with the loss. I think the offensive line probably is about 65% to blame. And I'm probably giving more culpability to Bo Nix than most people are. I think Bo Nix reverted back to a lot of the things he did last year, dropping his his eyes, as, you, as you've already alluded to, where he did, he's not keeping his eyes downfield. He feels phantom pressure. I don't think he was forced to leave the pocket as much as he did leave the pocket against Georgia. And then you cut the field in half, but not only that, he dropped his eyes in the process, so you lose your entire picture and perception of what's happening downfield, which automatically dooms you to to either an incompletion, a sack, or an interception. And we did see him throw an interception on Saturday because of it. Was Todd Blackledge, wasn't it Todd Blackledge, the color analyst for this game? I think he was Todd Black. No, it was Kirk. It was it was Herb Street. Yeah, it was it was Fowler and Kirk. Sorry, well, I knew it was one of the two best guys that ESPN has to offer. It was either Herb Street or Blackwood. For some reason, I was thinking it was Blackwood, but I thought that Kirk did a great job in the midst of this game, showing exactly what you were talking about. The pocket's there. The pocket was there. Now it's collapsing on the outside. I thought the interior offensive line did a much better job than the tackles. Where Bonitz could, he had some opportunities in this game. To step up into a throw, take a hit, albeit, but you're still going to take hits in the SEC. And I thought Kirk did a great job of explaining that and showing that on replays and drawing on the screen where Bo, instead of doing that, it's we're going to roll out to our right, we're going to throw a jump ball, and Auburn catches more jump balls. They catch more 50-50 balls. They catch more breaks than anybody I've ever seen. And they completed some of them. And listen, this Auburn defense held Georgia to... Three points in the second half, they kicked a field goal. And I thought that Auburn, after the drives they put together before halftime, although they didn't get a touchdown, that they played much better in the second half. But that Georgia defense was something that I wasn't even expecting it to be. I knew they were good. I knew they were one of the best in the country. But that is, um, you know, late 20, late 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011 type of defense. They get after the quarterback. They smother you. And I just didn't see that good of a Georgia defense coming in this game. And they played lights out. And I think n- it's partially n- Auburn, though. Like, I'm not going to overreact to that because I think Auburn's offensive line, you go and look at the recruiting rankings of the guys no, that I are out it. there starting. You've got on the left side of the line, which is supposed to be your strong side, you've got two low three-star defensive tackle recruits. I was so glad when you tweeted this because this is what I've talked about all year. 
Um, you told me that you thought this one was going to be better. And I'm not shaming you for that. But from my perspective, what I've been looking at, you lose your two best defensive linemen, and you only bring one guy back on the O-line, and the rest of these guys, are they're no-namers. They really are. They're, they're no-namers, and this isn't a conference for no-namers. You might have one or two guys on your team that were three stars that play. There's probably only one or two on Alabama, one or two on Georgia, one or two on LSU. You can't do what Auburn pieced. You can't piece together what Auburn pieced together on this offensive line and expect to be a contender in the conference that is built on the trenches. According to 24-7 Sports Composite, these are the recruiting rankings for Auburn's starting offensive line on Saturday against Georgia. Left tackle Alec Jackson was a three-star defensive tackle recruit, the number 49 defensive tackle, so that's a low three-star. Left guard Tayshawn Manning was a three-star, number 61 defensive tackle, so a very low three-star there. Center Nick Brahms, Solid recruit, four-star, number 10 guard. He's the only guy returning on this line. Right guard, Brandon Council, two-star. Akron transfer. Akron did not have a good football season last year, nor was he tasked with having to block teams of the likes of Georgia. Right tackle, Brodarius Ham, three-star, number 33 tackle. And, that, and that's a that's a high three-star. And I think Brodarius Ham is probably better than what his recruiting ranking indicates. I'm high on Brodarius Ham, but this offensive line, that does not win you a lot of games in the SEC, and that is the type of offensive line that produces the performance that we saw out of the Auburn offense. But let's dig a little bit deeper into the stats a little bit. Tank Bigsby only got eight carries. Eight. 31 yards on the ground. He had 3.9 yards per carry. You go and look at Auburn's overall rushing stats for the day. Auburn finished with 39 rushing yards. 22 carries, 1.9 yards per carry. I don't think the rushing attack was as bad as what that team stat says. I just think Auburn abandoned the rushing attack. Bo Nix threw the ball 40 times to Auburn's 22 carries, and a couple of those are sacks that Bo Nix put up. What do I always say about Dak Prescott? He puts up a lot of numbers because they trail and they have to throw the ball a lot. The same thing in this game. Auburn didn't abandon the run. Georgia forced Auburn to throw the football. But number one, um, you hear coaches talk about numbers, and Georgia had a lot of guys in the box. And when you see that, you can't run it. I mean, you're outnumbered. It is a This is a numbers game and a Jimmy's and Joe's game, and if they're already better than you and they have more people in the box, you can't blame Chad Morris and his guys in the box saying, they got seven guys in the box, we got five guys, We're gonna, they're going to have two guys free at Tank Bixby. You can't just you can't justify, all right, let's pound the rock and get one or two yards of carry. But then on the flip side for Auburn, your offensive line isn't good enough to keep those guys off of Bo Nix. And I didn't think Bo Nix was seeing phantom pressure in the first quarter. I thought it was from then on that he was really saying, your 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 clock in your head just goes, right? It's it's one, two, and it normally it's three, but when Auburn's playing Georgia, it was one, one and a half, two, oh, I gotta get rid of the ball at two seconds, or I need to take off because I'm gonna get hit. And I don't think Bo Nix is scared to get hit like a lot of people have been saying in sports radio. I don't think Bo Nix is bad. I think his O-line is horrible, and he is a is a product of that. Now, I don't think he's great. I think he's uh, an above-average SEC quarterback, but he's not as bad as what it looked like. But for Auburn, you read off the rushing stats, and it, it just tells me that Georgia had a game plan, and Kirby Smart is Gus Malzahn's kryptonite right now. Nick Saban doesn't have his number Kirby Smart does. He's um, what six and one, five and one against Gus now. Yeah, it's um, and that's 
as much as Auburn, the reason Gus has a job still is because he's beaten Alabama three times. But this is a, just as almost as just as an important game for Auburn fans, and it's really tough when you see you're beating Nick Saban, but somehow Kirby Smart with very inept offenses over the seriously inept offenses over the last five years has been able to knock off Gus Malzahn and Auburn consistently. Before we move on to Alabama, I want to say one positive thing that Auburn was able to take away from that Georgia game. Tank Bigsby is the running back of the future. This guy may only be here for three, four years. He's going to put on some weight, and he's going to really improve. He's already a bruiser, and you can see how thin he is, and he already can run through people. I thought he ran the ball really well, despite the fact that he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. You were just talking about how many dogs were in the box, and he still came away with 3.9 a carry. But what's truly impressive, this might be the best pass-catching back I've seen Auburn have ever. Seven receptions, 68 yards, 9.7 average there, and a lot of those were out of the backfield, but I think he's got the ability to catch the ball downfield, and as we see this offense progress throughout the year that I have not given up on just because of this game, I still believe in the new concepts that we saw against Kentucky. I just need to see it against teams like Georgia and it not be abandoned, but you're I think be, the running back's going to play a bigger role in the passing game. You're going to be let down in the offense. Well, if you're listening to radio, it's today. When we record this, is Friday. You're going to be let down in the offense today. You got some guys out. Seth Williams still banged up. Shivers banged up. Eli Stove. Eli Stove banged up. This is for as well as you got to realize Arkansas just stopped the, the record setting air raid offense of Mike Leach, and they win a game against a team who knocked off the defending national champions. I'm not saying Arkansas wins this game because if they do, Gus Malzahn may not make it to next week. I mean, this this would be the most cataclysmic embarrassing loss of the Gus Malzahn tenure at Auburn. But this game might be a little close. Rainy, wet. It's been raining. It's been raining in on East Alabama for 48 hours almost. And 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 Sam Pittman, they is it weird to say that they believe in Sam Pittman and Gus Malzahn comes out and says, "Well, Arkansas is well coached now." In his press conference this week. What what you can't say that? Arkansas is playing pretty good football. He said they're well. He said they're well coached. He said, "What's the?" This might, I think the question was, "What's the difference?" He said, "Well, they're well coached now." Your offensive coordinator was oh, their head coach yeah. last year. <laughs> your your I, OC. I didn't connect to that. Yeah. Your OC is their head coach. What's their head coach? You can't say that. Man, that was a shot. I'm not, and I'm not so sure that Gus Malzahn is sold on Chad Morris right now either. Alabama roasted Texas A&M 52-24. Mac Jones looks really stinking good, and it helps when you've got the arsenal of receivers that he does, but he's looking like the second coming of Joe Burrow. At least I'm terrified that he that he could be. Don't put the pressure on him. But I think the story in that Alabama A&M game is A&M's ability to move the football and pick up some yards against the Alabama defense. I know you're a little frustrated with Pete Golding again as you originally – you, like, cooled off going into the season. You were you – were, on coals like your seat was on fire back in like january about wanting him canned and now you're like yeah we'll give him a chance this year he, he had a lot of guys hurt and now you're just like i'm done and uh yeah. where do your concerns lie with this Alabama defense i was really i wasn't really mad i was a little disappointed in the defense because the defense kept bryce young from getting on the field because at some point this year i'm telling you you're you're a coronavirus away from your your backup quarterback having to start a football game I mean, that's just realistically where we're at. And Alabama not being able to get that stop in the fourth kept Bryce Young from playing at full. He got one drive as opposed to potentially three. 
But then I really started looking at the Pete Golding defense, and they're fast. They made a couple mistakes. We meant to push a guy out of bounds. We got lazy, something you wouldn't normally see with Kirby being your D.C. or Jeremy Pruitt. But time of possession is killing this Alabama defense. And it's not because the other teams just stayed on the field. It's because Mac Jones gets the first down, and then we take a shot, and he completes it. Every single time. And the Alabama offense is on the field for a minute and 45 seconds. And our, if you look at time of, the, time of possession, it was like 39-21 for this game. It was very, very lopsided. And so the Alabama defense is just on the field a lot. Now, I don't know if Pete Golding knows that the running back is an eligible receiver because we haven't covered a running back out of the backfield in two years. And to me, that's really concerning. And uh, sometimes it's Dylan Moses, other times it's Chris Harris, and I don't, it, to me, if it's Dylan Moses messing up, it can't be Dylan Moses messing up. There has to be something in the scheme that is that is preventing Alabama from being in the right place at the right time, because I think you would argue Dylan Moses is one of the best players in college football. He knows the, he knows the system. It just seems like every now and then, we can't get off the field on third and seven. We're always going to give up something right at the sticks. We, we're just not there. And we can't tackle in space. And that has also been one of the hiccups in the Pete Golding defensive coordinator era last year and, and so far this year. We don't tackle in space. I mean, we're probably 50% in space. I mean, we got we to wrap up and make some tackles. And Kellen Mond, probably, he may have played the best game of his, his season against Alabama this year. And a lot of that's probably talking about the Alabama defense. I think they were juiced up, ready to go. And Alabama's still with this offense, just made Texas A&M chase them the whole time. And Kellen Mond only threw for like 200. The, or, no, he had 318 yards. Yeah, but 200 of those were like out of the backfield. I mean, I mean, sure. that's just dump off running back. Here's 30 yards. I mean, he he played a good game. He also threw a pick six. And the 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 ghost of Kellen Mond is still walking around. Like we don't nobody knows where the real Kellen Mond is because everybody's told us he's great. <laughs> John Mechie had a huge game, five receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. It wasn't Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. I mean, they did each have touchdowns as well, but it was the John Mechie show. I want to talk about this Alabama defense still, though. How, how does all that, that, what you were just talking about, how does that translate against an Ole Miss offense that knows how to score? And I think it's going to score. I'm going to give us some Do you give up more points than A&M? I don't think you. It depends on the weather because Ole Miss has no running game. They're going to throw the ball a lot. And they're going to run some draws and some screens. But, I mean, they're averaging 154 yards a game on the ground. That's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. They also played played one of the worst defenses. They played two of the worst defenses in the SEC right now. Florida's defense, listen, they can can probably score with Alabama – but they're not going to score as many as Alabama if Alabama afford to play each other. They play two of the worst defenses in the league. Um, but it's also going to be a rainy, muddy mess. And Corral, they're 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 throw the ball around the yard type of team. And so I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to score. I think Alabama's offensive line can really settle in on this game because the running game hasn't gotten going. And it's a numbers game. It's it's a numbers game. When you look at the box, Missouri had seven in the box. A and M. They have a lot of guys in the box. We're not going to run into. We're not going to play five on seven football. We're going to try to even this matchup out, and we're going to throw the football. And Mac Jones has showed that he can deliver it. I think the key for this defense is just find a way to get off the field. You haven't been giving up a lot of points. You're averaging twenty one points a game. A lot of you've given up a couple garbage time touchdowns to both teams that you played. To me, I just you just want to see. Alabama fans want to see Pete Golding's defense 
take the next step. So injuries are no excuse this year. And I think they were a legitimate excuse last year. But at this point, you want to see your defense. They're faster. They're getting around the field. They're, they're, it looks like they're in position, but you want to see them make the necessary plays. Alabama is going to rip Ole Miss's defense, though. 600 yards allowed per game. I think Ole Miss is going to score, but they won't keep up. I think the line's pretty perfect on here. A 23-point line, which, honestly, I could see Ole Miss cover that. I could see Ole Miss sneak within that late just by virtue of scoring. Here's my thing. If Ole Miss does cover and Ole Miss can seriously put up some points, this Alabama defense could be exposed after this week, at least. And I don't know how many other offenses, though, on Alabama's schedule. Exposed is such a... It's exposed is such a big word there. No, what do you mean by exposed? No, Ole Miss comes out and throws up thirty points. I think that they have exposed some weaknesses in the Alabama defense on film for other teams to be able to exploit. Now, looking at the Alabama schedule, I don't know what other offenses on this schedule really jump off the page to me as like, oh yeah, they're going to expose the Alabama defense because there's not a whole lot of firepower out of these offenses moving forward. This is the remaining schedule for Alabama. They've got Georgia at home, on the road at Tennessee, host Mississippi State, on the road at LSU, home game against Kentucky, against Auburn as well the next week, and then they wrap up the season on the road against Arkansas. Of that group there, who's got the most firepower on offense? Maybe Georgia, and they've got a walk-on quarterback, fourth stringer in? I think next week Alabama is going to expose this Georgia offense. I think Georgia gets exposed this weekend. With Pruitt. Yeah, you're right. I keep forgetting. This, I, this Tennessee game. team, I'm all over it. Yeah, and and so then you start to wonder if Georgia beats – I know we're getting off topic. If Georgia beats Tennessee, like how many of these games with Stetson Bennett can they reel off? Because he's not a Mac Jones story. He's not a Joe Burrow. I didn't like he's uh, he's Rudy. Like they're just going to go – and I don't even know if Rudy actually plays. Is that even a real story? Yes, Rudy's a real story. He, he actually got the real side. Yeah, but, but, you know, he's not a – Tackle. He's not the walk-on that turns into a Heisman. He, no, this guy has – He's not has, Johnny Manziel. He has clear – he's not Baker Mayfield. He has clear limitations. And how many of these in a row can he win? Because he beats Auburn. Say he beats Tennessee. Can Stetson Bennett really reel off three in a row with those limitations – and then beat Alabama. I don't think so. The Georgia schedule is brutal. The Florida game's coming up not too long from now as well. Georgia's like first half of the season was all against ranked teams. Brutal schedule. I think the kid's better than people thought, but I don't think he's truly had to play within pressure. And I think this Saturday he's going to have to play in a pressure-packed situation against a Tennessee team that's going to go out there and play for their head coach. We've seen program-building wins at Tennessee over the past two years. This one can put the Vols back on the map and legitimately, with the way that Florida's defense is looking right now, put them square in that race with the number one team in that league right now, which is Florida. It puts them in the race to be able to go and compete for the SEC East title. On the other side of this break, we got Speed Round presented by the Brown Insurance Agency. Don't go anywhere. You're listening on the line on AU100 Kicks 96.3 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Back on On the Line on AU100. Kicks 96.3 in Fox Sports Central Alabama are on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. 
It's time for Speed Round, presented by the Brown Insurance Agency. Speed Round is brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you are fully protected. Call Lance Brown, Allstate, at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. Same rules as always this week. We've got a total of six questions. We'll run through them in about two to four minutes. You ready to go, my man? Let's get it. Let's do it. Question number one. Should the Pac-12 be allowed in the college football playoff this year? If not, what does that say about the state of the conference in terms of the other Power 5 leagues? I'm not so sure it says anything about the Pac-12 overall. Now, they haven't made the playoff in a while, I believe. It's been a little bit, but... Last time was with Washington, I believe. Yeah, but but if you really think about it, it's, it's not because of their conference. It's because they're playing six games. It's not the body of work is just not going to be there and well they play 7 well 7 games sorry it's 6 and then the conference championship week that's a consolation game yeah, I and get then it. the actual championship but they're, they're going to play 7 games to the SEC's 10 plus 1 for an SEC title game the ACC is still playing 11 games and then the conference title so, at 12 I mean, the body of work is just not going to be there, and, and I don't think it's Oregon's fault or it's it's leadership's fault. Some of these teams just now were able to start practicing. I mean, they're just for when they have an acclimation period for the weight room and then getting on the field and actually practicing and getting physically ready for the games. At some point, their season just cannot start in time for them to play a big enough schedule for when the college football playoff is picked. Now, I don't not sure it says anything about the conference, but they they should not be allowed to be in the college football playoff I don't think they are the worst power five conference and I'm beginning to kind of dangle with them off the ledge of the power five plateau I don't view them in the same light as the other power five conferences the big 12s on the brink as well with how bad they are this year I mean it is a cesspool in that league the fact that the Sun Belt was able to come in and sweep them out in week one. But then on top of that, we've seen what Oklahoma and Texas have fallen to this year. The Big 12 is abysmal. But the Pac-12 is pretty bad, too. I'm with you. They shouldn't be allowed in. Only a six-game framework for the regular season and then that conference title game. I don't think 7-0 with the Pac-12 schedule and how weak the league is is enough to indicate to me that they deserve to be in the college football playoff. I'll say this. If UCF goes undefeated this year, or if Cincinnati were to go undefeated this year out of the American Athletic Conference, I'd rather see them in the college football playoff. Agreed. It's an odd Agreed. year. Most years I wouldn't, but this year just kind of give them some little shut-up juice, you know, to go and get dismantled by a team. This is the kind of year that I'd be okay with kind of throwing one of those teams in there. But the Pac-12, I, I think it's a, I think it's far away from the other Power 5 leagues. Big 12's getting there, but... They just they can't nah, get teams in the bit, playoff. If, if Oklahoma State loses, they're out. I mean, if Oklahoma yeah. State loses a game, you're talking two SEC teams who are getting in the college football playoff. This and this year. year's got to be an anomaly for Oklahoma, right? Like, this isn't going to be the, the it, future of the program. The, their program tanking right now is a direct um, uh, correlation to how bad of a person Spencer Rattler is. If you watch this, that show, I think it's a Netflix show, I saw a bunch of highlights of it. He's just a jerk, man. He's cussing out his teammates, telling them they suck. And he, su- he sucks. 
And I, I'm glad I, I, that bad things happen to bad people. And I'm, I'm glad to see that they are 0-2 and that he has thrown two game-losing interceptions in the final moments. Is this like the beginning? We'll make this question number two. Is this the beginning of Oklahoma being sucked into the mediocrity they of the don't Big 12? Like, recruit, are they becoming Texas? They don't recruit well enough on defense to get it done. You, at, For so long, if, listen, they haven't recruited well on defense for a while, but they have had Heisman winning quarterback. Spencer, Spencer Rattler ain't one. And look what's happened to you. Baker Mayfield, um, Kyler Murray, who a lot of people think he's in the race for the MVP in the NFL with how he's playing. I mean... They are falling into mediocrity, and it's not because of their offense, really, but they don't recruit anything on the defensive side of the ball, and there is a portion of talent, or there's a large portion of the talent that it comes from one part of the country, and Oklahoma, out there, kind of out west, in the middle of the country, that's not where the talent is. Now, there's a lot in Texas, but the ESPN rankings and all these rankings for recruits, they're so spot on. It's so easy to get noticed, and you look at those guys from LSU, I mean, they're from Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, California, and a couple from Texas. And you're not you're not going to be able to form a roster full of Texas kids and just hope you're in the national title. And then hope you're national title contention. Oklahoma, it definitely feels like the beginning of them being sucked into it because, as you've pointed out, this is the first year where I think we've seen that their offense isn't without a shadow of a doubt in their own league in the Big 12. Like in the past, Oklahoma still has lost a game every year in the Big 12. Last year, they lost to Kansas State. They're still good for that loss because of that defense, but the offense has been good enough to boat race other teams, to outpace them. And then when they go and get into the college football playoff, well, the offense meets a little bit of opposition. They may only score 24-30, but they give up 49, right? Or a lot worse to what happened at LSU last year. So this Oklahoma team, I think now you're spot on. The offense isn't obliterating folks. It's scoring in the low 30s like Texas is, and they're still giving up in the low 30s. Oklahoma's in trouble. It's a battle of two mediocre teams with the big names in the Big 12 this week. Red River shootout, and we need to change the rivalry to that name. Question number three, after last week's performance, is Georgia a college football playoff contender in your mind? I know they're in the top five, but you and I were not there with them last week. Ken, can we wait until Sunday to talk about this? Because I just don't think Auburn is... Auburn's going to win seven games probably in the seven three seven in this ten game schedule just because of what the SEC looks like when you get past the top four teams. I'm still just not. I, Stetson Bennett has clear limitations, and the only team that has been able to win a national title with average to right at just above average quarterback play has been Alabama in the last decade. Nobody else has been able to do it, and I don't think this Georgia offense is necessarily built for it. They have one weapon in George Pickens. Nobody else you can really look at on the outside to just, all right, he's going to go get the ball. Not Demetrius Robinson. Now, they have good running backs. I get it. They also have an inexperienced offensive line. And that's what was really surprising to me. It was kind of two inexperienced offensive lines going into Saturday's game. And Difference is the recruiting there, though. George yeah, listen, got five they, stars they got, on the line. They got some four and five stars up there, but you would expect it to see uh, that George offensive line not as good as it traditionally has been when Jake Fromm was the quarterback. And, they were able to get it done. So let me answer that question on Sunday. Right now, I'll say I'm undecided. That, that, that defeats the purpose or the fun of the question I, to, the, make the, well, to make the question now before they I don't play know. the big game. I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Let's, take, let, let's talk about the other side of the coin then. Question number four, contender or pretender? Is Tennessee a legitimate force in the SEC? And I ask these questions because the SEC East race 
it looked dead last week to yeah. me. I thought Georgia was no good. I thought Tennessee, I wasn't buying into the hype. Kentucky's definitely, they're wondering where their hype went down the toilet. And then Florida, I think they were leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. Now I think it's stabilizing a little bit. Florida's defense suspect. Tennessee's offense and their offensive line looks elite. And then Georgia's over here. They looked as strong as ever on the defensive side of the ball. Jury's still out on that offense. There's a three-team race right now, I think, in the East. I think I think Tennessee is a legitimate force in this league. Can I answer this question Sunday? No. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, now, Tennessee, yeah, I think they're good, and their offensive line is one of the best in the conference. There's and three five stars I think on that, that line. If, I think that if you're a top, if you're a top three team in your division right now, you're an SEC contender. Now, if you lose this one, it's a big setback. It's a it's an in division loss. But you know, Florida can mess. It could be a three way tie at the end of the year. You never know what could happen. I think Tennessee is definitely a contender. Georgia's a, definitely a contender in the SEC East. I'm not sure either of these teams are a national title contender because they're. I feel like there's still some limitations for both teams. Without a doubt, and it's at quarterback for both of the squads too. Contender or pretender, LSU bounced back in a big way. It was against Vanderbilt, though. Was the LSU loss an anomaly to Mississippi State two weeks ago? Is this Tiger team better than what maybe we thought it was back over the summer? Is Edo bringing this team out of the depths of the bayou? You mean when they – who did they beat? They beat, beat Vanderbilt. Okay, it was like they looked good doing good. it. And Miles Brennan's, like, thrown for over 300 yards in both games – Miles Brennan's been able to spread the butter a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm still not sold. I just don't think that they are even go. I think the SEC West is more wide open from two through uh, seven than the SEC. That's so true. I mean, right? Auburn could easily finish second. Auburn could lose to Georgia and Alabama finish second in the West. I mean, A and M to me, not great, but. LSU looks like they're getting better, though, and that's what scares me. Like, uh, I could see Auburn finish fourth, they, and I would be very We're talking about teams with limitations. This team has limitations. Yeah. LSU has limitations. So, I think LSU is still the fourth best team in the West. Um, and if they get in a shootout, are they going to be able to win it? Because I think Ole Miss can score some points on this team. I think there are some other teams that are going to play. Bama, I think – Maybe Auburn with that worn-out defense from LSU could put up some type of points against them. You just never know. A&M could put up points against them. We'll see. But I just don't think that LSU is a – They have. I think they're going to finish third or fourth in the West. That's going to do it for Speed Round, brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. This is On the Line. Wrapping up On the Line with game picks here. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama on your Saturday morning. Or if you're joining us on demand at any time on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We had a bad week last week, and I don't think it was by making bad picks. There were just a lot of upsets. I mean, Texas went down to TCU 
Oklahoma went down to Iowa State. How are we supposed to know that the Big 12, like the Sarlacc pit in Star Wars, about to just start snatching people up? This is just terrible. But we went 6-6 six and six with some upsets here. Maybe the Auburn pick was a bad one. I'm sitting at 23-9 and nine overall. You're sitting at 22-10 and 10 after we went 6-6 six and six last week. Yeah, it wasn't the best week. Um, I told you, if I could have... If I knew that you would let me change my pick for the Auburn game like five minutes before kickoff, I would. I know you wouldn't let me, so I didn't even attempt to do it. But you can ask the people in my house. I was watching with saying I should have picked Georgia. You texted me. I know that. I should have picked Georgia, and I just even before the game. So I know I don't get credit for that, but it is what it is. It wasn't a great week, but there were upsets, man, and that's what that's what makes the good ones great. They got to pick the upsets sometimes, and I've tried to pick a few, and I'm still hanging in there. But we got a lot of. Fun games this week. I'm excited. This is the best slate we've had all year long. A lot of ranked-on-ranked matchups, and we'll start with one, number four, Florida, at number 21, Texas A&M, at 11 a.m. on ESPN. That's a gator chomp for you guys out there. Yeah, my head, my headset ran out of wire. I couldn't back up far enough. No, <laughs> I think you're going to really see if Alabama's defense is as bad as you think it is because teams have gotten up and down the field on uh, Florida, and now we have a common opponent in the Texas A&M Aggies. And if Texas A&M can move the ball up and down the field, I think you'll say, well, maybe maybe um, Alabama's defense isn't as suspect as we thought it was. I still like Florida. I'm not – I think Florida's very similar to Alabama. They do a lot of the same things on offense. They find ways to get guys wide open. They have a legitimate threat in Pitts, who's one of the best in the, in the country. I like Florida by a couple touchdowns, at least. I liked this line. And I'm trying to bring up the... Why don't you just start putting the betting line on the rundown sheet? That way we that, can... that is what I should do, 100%. I think this is, uh, yeah, it's six and a half points to Florida. I, how is that line so low? I mean, do you take... It's that Florida defense, and A&M loves to throw the ball. Kellen Mond's coming off his best game passing this year. He's got 507 yards overall. And Florida's offense is great, but look at the defense. Giving up 327 passing yards per game it, the, yeah. it fits perfectly with what A&M's trying to do on offense I think it's going to help them out a little bit on that side of the ball where they have struggled a little bit this year but it, it has improved and they improved against a good team last week I think A&M keeps it close I don't trust this Florida defense I think it is suspect but I do like the Gators to win because right now that offense looks to be second best in the SEC behind Alabama and very comparable because I don't know if there's another receiving threat out there as unique I take that back. Jalen Waddle's pretty unique, but in a different way. Like yeah. Jalen, Jalen Waddle's got the finesse on you. He's got the ability to hit you in many different ways. Kicking game as well. I mean, I mean, kick return game makes him uh, a very viable weapon in different ways. But Pitts at Florida, man, I don't know how you match up with that guy. He's too fast for linebackers and he's too big for DBs. There, he is the best tight end hybrid that we've seen in a couple of years in college football. He's a handful. And so I like Florida in this one. That'll be the difference there. Number 19, Virginia Tech at number eight, North Carolina. I love a sleepy 11 a.m. kick. If this was on the road, I may take Virginia Tech. I'm still thinking about it. Virginia, uh, North Carolina has not, and we talked about this last week, outside of Clemson, like, is North Carolina really the team that can can do it to you in I don't know. I, I like North Carolina in this one. I think they get a win, but I don't think that this is going to be a a dominant performance by any means. A nice ranked matchup to start off the day on ABC. Give me the Hills. I think it's going to be close, though. It's too early to say that North Carolina 
that their quarterback, Sam Howell, has regressed. But at this juncture in the season, he's only got three TDs to three interceptions, and that's not as impressive as where he was last year with over 30 touchdowns and only like seven picks or something like that. He had better stats than Trevor Lawrence last year, at least in the touchdown-to-interception ratio category, and Trevor Lawrence only edged him by about like 30 yards passing. So he had just as good of a year as Trevor Lawrence did last year with not as good of a receiving core. Still a great receiving core, though. This would have been one of my upset picks of the week as well, but I'm not ready to pull the trigger on it either. I think North Carolina at home wins. UNC on like a five-game win streak overall. Um, Virginia Tech, this just comes down to the quarterbacks for me. I think Howell's still better than Burmeister, but this Virginia Tech team could be what snatches up North Carolina, who has not looked overly impressive the first two weeks of the season against Boston College and Syracuse. So we're same through two. Missouri at number 17, LSU, 11 a.m. SEC Network alternate got moved from an 8 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. Well, it also got moved to Missouri as well. That so, is true. I mean, it's now a home game for Missouri. I always wondered how that works. Like, how do you transfer the fan? The tickets have been bought. Like, do you just let people walk in? Who knows? But I still like this Missouri team. They are more competitive than they've been in the past. Um, but LSU's still, to me, just too many horses, too many Jimmys and Joes for this game. Um, LSU, and this is like one of those games that you know they win. Like, oh, yeah, they're sleeping on us. They've moved to the game, blah, blah, blah. We couldn't play at home. Let's just go out and take care of business. And I, I do think they have improved. Um, I'm not sure how – I think it's very unpredictable because of their lack of experience, but I do like LSU. Missouri right now cycling between two quarterbacks, Sean Robinson and Basilak. And I watched Missouri play Tennessee for a large portion of that game last week. And I was impressed with some of the things that Basilak's doing, but it's also he's a freshman playing in the SEC with not a whole mm-hmm. lot of talent around him. And so you can see the mistakes. You can see the weaknesses exposed in that game against UT. And this LSU team, I actually think, is improving to the point where they're probably – they're not at Tennessee's level yet, but they could be getting there. I like LSU to win this game. You said Jimmy's and Joe's, and they've got more of them than Missouri does. Red River rivalry, number 22, Texas versus Oklahoma, 11 a.m. Fox. 11 a.m. time slots got it going Why? On this weekend. Why? Is there, this game is always played at 11. Dallas. It's, it's played can, in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. I know, but can it not? This should be, this is a, this is one of the best rivalries in sports. It really is. I think it should be played at night, but this is one that I don't know who to pick. I think both these teams have good offenses. I trust Sam Ellinger more to win this game than I do Spencer Rattler. And I think this is the time where Tom Herman, if he can, he steps on the throat of Lincoln Riley. Because he's beaten Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley's always gotten him back, like in the Big 12 championship game. I like Ellinger. No, I dislike Ellinger. I don't like either of these teams, but I... you dislike Ellinger? At the... Don't, we're How can back. you not love that we're guy? We're back. And okay. you go seven and five. Forget we're about back. it. Dude, I don't like Tom Herman either. I think he's I think he's a little punk coach, too. I like Lincoln Riley much more than than Tom Herman. But I think <laughs> – I'm not going to say I like Texas because I don't. I think Texas is going to win the game. Going with Texas, too. This is one where I had no idea what to pick either because both of these defenses are abysmal. They're both coming off losses to what you would think would be average teams in this league. Oklahoma sitting at 0-2 in the Big 12, 1-2 overall. Texas at least at 2-1. Outside of the top 25 for the first time in forever. They very well could lose three games in a row this week. That's why I don't feel great about it is I've never picked Oklahoma to lose three games in a row before. I don't know if I've ever picked them to 
to lose two games in a row before. So that's why I have such a hard time doing this. But I trust Ellinger a whole lot more than Oklahoma. I'm with you there. So we'll go with Texas. Fifth game of the day, number 14, Tennessee. At number three, Georgia, 2.30 p.m., CBS. Georgia 12-point favorites going into this one. 12 and a half now. I feel moved. like I'm always picking first. No, I'm going to defer the pick Fine. on this one. Give me the balls. Rocky Top. I'm ready to get hurt again. I really am. Uh, I know you're happy because you want to even this up and you wanted to pick Georgia. Well, I was about to pick. I think I was about to pick Tennessee, but now you're forcing me to do it. I got to find a way to even it up. So. That's right. And honestly, like I would rather be making the safe the safe bet if I were you trying to tie it up. But I'm I'm trying to create some separation. Look, here's the thing about Tennessee. The offensive line is as good as advertised. Yes. When, I, when I did the offensive line recruiting rankings research and saw that there were three five stars on that line and then the other two guys are high four stars, and those three stars that are on the line are three of the top six tackles of their class, come on, man. It's crazy to me that Jeremy Pruitt has that offensive line in year three, and then if you were listening to the show earlier and we rattled off Auburn's recruiting rankings and Auburn's has a two-star starting on it right now, and then three three stars and one four star, and you compare those lines, and it's your eight for Malzahn. It just bewil- it's bewildering. I think because that offensive line is that good, they're going to be able to run the ball. Tank Bigsby was able to have six, some success on the ground last week for Auburn. I think they'll be able to run the ball. That'll take some of the pressure off of Garantano. But on the flip side, I still don't know how good this Georgia offense is. They only scored twenty seven points against an Auburn defense that was getting cut up on the ground and Stetson Bennett still only throws up 27 was held to three points in the second half against Auburn Kevin still did make those adjustments in the second half I think Tennessee's defense is every bit as good as yeah. Auburn's if not better they I had the that, best I think they had the best or second best linebacker in the conference and and yeah. toe so I I wish I could have picked Tennessee in this one um I think that Georgia really took its foot off. I think Georgia knew its defense was good enough to finish that game against Auburn. And you could see that if you have a Burrow to a Mac Jones, um, you know, Kyler Murray type of quarterback, you say, all right, we're just going to keep on going. An experienced veteran quarterback, they really, they took the air out of the football. They ran the ball a lot. They killed the game in the second half. They did not trust Stetson Bennett to really do anything with the Rock. And they have clear limitations. To me, that speaks a lot about what Georgia is, is aiming to do. Now, it's going to be very hard to score points on this Georgia defense. They're the best defense in the country, no doubt. I'm not sure how many Tennessee can score, but is 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 the the depth and the experience on the Tennessee defense enough to really expose the limitations of the Georgia offense? I think this one's going to be close. It's it's in Georgia. So I, I'm going to take the Bulldogs, as we've already said. And I think I think Georgia by a field goal. Arkansas at number 13, Auburn, 3 p.m., SEC Network. Are we both picking the Tigers here? It's going to be close. Get out of town, man. I don't think it's going to be close. Malzahn has a great track record against Arkansas, and I think this is the kind of game. Just listening to the press conferences this past week, this was not like cheery Gus. This was not happy Gus. This was, I'm giving you coach speak. It's not happy Gus. I know, right? This was, I'm giving you coach speak. Two sentence answers, maybe. When I say when question. I say close, like to me, you need to play this Arkansas that you've seen over the last five years. Fourteen points is probably too close. I think Auburn hopes to win okay. this game by four touchdowns. Ten points, a double digit win. Ten points is close against this Arkansas That's team. That's a good point. Now, I I think Auburn can win by more than double digits, but I also can see with everybody banged up, Seth Williams, Shivers, Stove, 
It's going to be tough. It's going to be a bad taste in your mouth. It's going to be. I think this could be a sloppier type of game. Sure. Give me Auburn. I mean, I can't pick against Auburn in this. So I can't. I'm, I will not pick Arkansas to beat anybody this year, probably. Let's try and zoom through a couple here. Kansas State at TCU, 3 p.m. Fox. Kansas State's dealing with an injury at yeah. their quarterback position. TCU's just a better team, too, I think. I know they beat. I know K-State beat Oklahoma, but TCU's just a better football team. And since they inserted Max Duggan in at quarterback two games ago, this, t- this TCU team looks different than what they looked like against Iowa State. I'll go TCU as well. Number two, Alabama at Ole Miss, 6.30 p.m. ESPN. I know we're both picking Alabama in this one, but does Alabama cover? What was that line again? 23 on ESPN is what it says. Yeah, I think so. And I think that it's going to be tough to – I think Bryce Young is going to get a lot of reps with the ones. They'll be up so big. It's actually 23 and a half. I'm going to say Ole Miss. I'll take Ole Miss in the points. I'll say, like, it's a 21-point difference or something like that. I, at 23 and a half is a little, little bit too much. Number seven, Miami at number one, Clemson. This is the game, and this is at 630 on ABC, that primetime game. I think game day is at this side as well. This is the game where we find out, are the Hurricanes legit or not? Is Miami back? You're going to find out tonight. They're a really good team, but they're just not upper. They're not top tier. They're not the best team in the ACC. I feel like this is the game that Clemson's been waiting on to really show how good Trevor Lawrence is, how good they can be, and then you're going to, after this game, you'll stop. I feel like everybody's all over Alabama again, national championship this is one of those games where Dabo comes out and he puts his foot down. I think Clemson, both of these teams have not played tough schedules. Clemson played Wake, Citadel, and Virginia. Miami's played UAB, Louisville, and Florida State, and we found out Louisville's not that good either. And so it, it kind of has jarred my opinion of Miami a little bit. Well, maybe these guys aren't as good as I thought. Maybe they're not a top-10 team. I think the offense is good. We're going to find out how good. And for the fact that Virginia was able to score 23 against Clemson last week, and they lost a lot of talent off of that team from last year, I think Miami should be able to score. Yeah. But I also have this vibe that Clemson's just kind of been not sleepwalking but just coasting through these first three and now they're finally playing a a decent team and they're going to get up for this one because Dabo always gets Clemson up for the big ones it's that uh BYOG bring your own guts kind of mentality that he's got I mean his guys are motivated he's one of the best motivators in college football and he's a great X's and O's coach I think Clemson gets up for this one and I think they cover. It's a 14-point line, and I think Clemson beats Miami pretty handily. But I think we're also going to leave this game impressed with Miami. I do think that Miami will do enough on the offensive side of the ball to you're like, this may be the second or third best team in the ACC. I definitely, I, I think after this game, we see them, in our perception, we see them move in front of North Carolina mentally for us in that hierarchy. And then the question is, how does Notre Dame differentiate itself from North Carolina and Miami in the ACC picture this year? Will it be a North Carolina, um, Miami, or Notre Dame team playing against Clemson in the ACC title game? Mississippi State at Kentucky, our last game on the docket, 6.30 p.m. SEC Network. I'm sitting here trying to pull up the ESPN app on my phone. It's not working because I feel like this is a numbers game when you start looking at points per game, stats, etc. Well, I've got you right here. 35.5 points allowed per game for Kentucky. 276.5 pass yards allowed per game. That's why I'm going with State in this one to yeah, bounce I mean, back after their loss last week. And that, I think their rate, that's I think all, their rate attacks that weakness. That's all I needed to hear. Um, I just don't think Kentucky's good. Um, they're 0-2 on the season. They lost to a first-year head coach in Lane Kiffin who went up and down the field. I just don't think... And I'll say, Kentucky is an extra point away from at least still playing in that game, not guaranteed to win, but... 
I just don't think they're good up front. I don't think their defense is what everybody told us to do. And, and their quarterback is is a, I would say, third-tier SEC QB. They're only averaging 195 passing yards per game, and that that's, that's a lot worse than what people were billing Terry Wilson as. I didn't expect him to have this much trouble throwing the ball down the field. Uh, match predictor for ESPN has Kentucky at 65%. I'm just trying to figure out where it is. Now, Mississippi State's also coming off of a loss to Arkansas. But I just don't think Kentucky's good. I think what Mississippi State does well attacks what Kentucky does not do well. And Ole Miss put that on film last week with how well they threw the ball against Kentucky, throwing up 42 points. I don't see why Mississippi State will have trouble doing the exact same thing. Terry Terry Wilson is 390 yards through two games, one TD and an interception. He is on pace to throw six touchdowns this year. Oh, actually less (laughs) than that, 10, because we're playing a 10 games. I mean, excuse me, five touchdowns. Through ten games, that's that's not good. <laughs> that is pretty bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Mississippi State in this one. Kentucky's only favored by a point and a half at home. So are they even favored? Because you typically give three to the home team. Kind of feels like Mississippi State's favored, and it kind of gives me concern. And I hate to end the show this way, but it gives me a little bit more concern about Auburn to know that like Auburn was able to do some things pretty well on offense against Kentucky after they got away from the slow start, and now we see how bad Kentucky's defense is and how easily Ole Miss was able to score on it, and Auburn only scored 29 points. So this weekend against Arkansas for Auburn, trying to see how Auburn improves, and you really want to really see them go on without a hitch against Arkansas just to know that they're moving in the right direction. We're gonna have a fun slate of games. That's all I know. And I'm if I'm worried about Auburn this weekend. Not I don't think they're gonna lose, but this is like a it's like foreshadowing. When you start seeing your team not play well against bad teams like Arkansas is, you get really concerned. My last point for the show here: flashbacks to 2017. Auburn lost to Clemson in the worst offensive line performance I've ever seen. 13 sacks, and Jared Stidham still was running for his life outside of that. They lost in week two. The very next week, they go on and they play Mercer. Against Mercer, they only beat them 24-10, to 10, had several turnovers, kind of that sloppy game that you were talking about earlier when we were picking the Auburn-Arkansas game. You could see that performance, and then Auburn go and rattle off a big win against South Carolina two weeks from now, and then go and beat Ole Miss as well, go and beat LSU, and going into the big game against you, Tennessee in November, you could be looking at Auburn with only one loss. The difference is Jarrett Stidham is... He's way, in the NFL. And way better than Bo Nix will ever think about being. And that's how I'll close the show. I'm not going to get into it here late. We've reached our time limit. Next week, we'll need to debate that. Jared Stidham, I, I think Bo Nix still might have a higher ceiling than what Jared Stidham ended up with. But that'll do it for another edition of On the Line here on AU100, Kicks 96.3 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Or if you've listened to our on-demand audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Enjoy your football Saturday. Stay dry, everybody. Have a great weekend. You know where to find us. God bless. Thanks for listening to On the Line, a product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net. 